0: I think he's trying to make us all cry, isn't he? If you have your Bible with you today, let's go to 1 Kings chapter 17, Well, I'd like to do a case study of a mother's faith. 1 Kings chapter 17, to refresh your memory, is the first introduction of a man named Elijah. Elijah becomes one of the most famous prophets in Israel's history. We're told nothing about his origins. He simply shows up on the scene in 1 Kings 17, announcing to the wicked king Ahab that God's going to judge their land and there's going to be a drought and a famine and no rain for three and a half years. During that time, God makes provision for this man of God through an unexpected means. Uh, the most unlikely place that he would ever be sought for, as Ahab did seek for the prophet Elijah. It is with a widow woman north of Israel. First Kings chapter 17, verse 7, And it came to pass after a while that the brook dried up, because there had been no rain in the land. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Arise, get thee to Zarephath, which belongeth to Zidon. And dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. So he arose and went to Zarephath, and when he came to the gate of the city, behold, the widow woman was there gathering of sticks. And he called to her and said, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to fetch it, he called to her and said, Bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thine hand. And she said, As the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake, but a handful of meal in a barrel, and a little oil in a cruise. And behold, I am gathering two sticks, that I may go in and dress it for me and my son, that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said unto her, Fear not, go and do as thou hast said, but make me thereof a little cake first, and bring it unto me, and after make for thee and for thy son." For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, The barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruse of oil fail, until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. And she went and did according to the saying of Elijah, and she and he and her house did eat many days. And the barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the cruse of oil fail, according to the word of the Lord which he spake by Elijah. And it came to pass after these things that the son of the woman, the mistress of the house, fell sick, And his sickness was so sore that there was no breath left in him. And she said unto Elijah, What have I to do with thee, O man of God? Art thou come unto me to call my sin to remembrance and to slay my son? And he said unto her, Give me thy son." And he took him out of her bosom and carried him up into a loft where he abode and laid him upon his own bed. And he cried unto the Lord and he said, O Lord my God, hast thou also brought evil upon the widow with whom I sojourned by slaying her son? And he stretched himself upon the child three times and cried unto the Lord and said, O Lord my God, I pray thee, let this child's soul come into him again. And the Lord heard the voice of Elijah and The soul of the child came into him again, and he revived. And Elijah took the child and brought him down out of the chamber into the house and delivered him unto his mother. And Elijah said, See, thy son liveth. And the woman said to Elijah, Now by this I know that thou art a man of God and that the word of the Lord in thy mouth is truth. Let's pray. Dear Lord, it is on this special day that we come to you. Thankful for the record of so many mothers in Scripture that we can look to and see their example of faith. Lord, I pray that today you would help me to preach on this subject, that you'd give me the strength that I need. But more than that, Lord, I pray that you would encourage women today, that they might know what a vital role they play and how you use them in the lives of others. Father, I pray that today you would draw near that you would bless these special ladies and I pray that in Jesus name amen you know the impact of mothers have made on the world is inestimable their influence has shaped everybody from world leaders heads of state inventors entrepreneurs scientists authors artists musicians doctors they have changed the world in every single generation but most importantly mothers have had a major influence in leading their children to faith in Christ and in doing so saving their souls from an eternity in hell. As I think about the influence that mothers have on their children I'm reminded of how Paul traced the line of Timothy's faith back through his mother and his grandmother. In his last letter he said when I re- Call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois, and thy mother Eunice. I am persuaded that in thee also. And many of you could give testimony today to the influence that your mother's faith had on your own life. I, I do not believe that I would be saved or serving the Lord today if it were not for the faith of my mother. I had the opportunity to spend time with her during the last month of her life while she was home on hospice care, and we talked about a lot of things. As hard as that month was, it was also full of God's grace. We knew that time was short for mom. God granted us the opportunity to have family get-togethers, to have conversations, to talk about memories. To have my mom share her testimony in front of her grandkids, my kids, so that they could know and hear from her own lips. Mom and I talked about her life. We talked about her faith. And she gave me permission to share her story. So everything I'm going to tell you today are things that my mom told me, and she told me it was okay if I told others. My mom was not raised in a Christian home. A lot of times I meet people and they find out that I'm a preacher and they imagine that I'm the son of a preacher and you're the grandson of a preacher and so on and so forth. But that is the furthest thing from my history. Uh, My dad was not a preacher, he was an alcoholic. My mom was not raised in a Christian home. As a matter of fact, uh, they didn't go to church, they didn't read the Bible, they didn't talk about God in her house growing up. My mom's mom, my grandmother, had a drinking problem. She was an alcoholic, and she wasn't always nice. My mom's life was uprooted and turned upside down when her dad died at age 15. And they moved from Metro Maryland to rural West Virginia. She finished high school and got a job and met my dad in her early 20s. My dad was a sailor, and everything that that embodies. And he was home on leave for a while, and they dated for a time, and he went back to sea. And my mom found out that she was going to be a single mother. They did later get married. They had another son, and they had a daughter. Her daughter was born with a birth defect. And my mom never got to bring her baby girl home from the hospital She died at nine days old. After that devastating death of their daughter, my dad turned to drinking. He leaned heavily into that. He ended up leaving our family, moving a thousand miles away, and really disassociating himself from us. But thank God my mom turned to Jesus. You see, my mom's little sister had gotten saved some years before, and she had a burden for her family. And she started witnessing to my mom. And she led my mom to the Lord. She and my mom led my grandmother to the Lord. My other aunt, who said she would never come home as long as her mom was drinking, came back home from California and they led her to the Lord. I was about two years old. And That's when my mom's faith began to influence our family's life. From my earliest memories of childhood, my mom was a woman of faith. She read her Bible. She prayed. Went to church. Talked about the Lord. It seemed like that's all she talked about. She sang songs of praise in our house My brother's here today, and he could tell you the same thing, that our mom lived what she believed, and she did it through much adversity and hardship. When my dad left us, she kept the faith. When she couldn't afford groceries and we had to go on welfare, she kept the faith. When she couldn't afford a car and she had to walk to the nearest store, she kept the faith. When she couldn't afford to have a telephone or pay the electric bill, she kept the faith. When her house burned down and we didn't have insurance or a place to live, she never turned a finger at the sky and cursed God. She kept the faith. In fact, it was my mom's faith that was a constant reminder to me in my wayward years that I needed to come back to God. While I had turned my back on God and didn't believe in Him, I never doubted that my mom believed in God. And it was my mom's example of faith that I followed as a pattern when I got saved. And decided to become a fully committed follower of Jesus Christ. I knew from her example that you don't just get saved and keep on living for yourself. You get saved and you start living for the Lord. Many of you all here today had a mama that believed in God and it made a difference in your life. That was certainly the case with the son in our text of 1 Kings 17. Do you realize that it was his mother's faith? that led him to salvation the story begins with a drought and with a famine and a widowed woman of faith with an adolescent son for years I had a tendency to read this and when I read that she was a widowed woman I always thought of widowed women as being older women but they soon realized that she was not an old woman at all she was a young woman She had an adolescent son. She had a small son. Life was difficult for this mother in that day and time. There was no social security system that would help pay for family needs. When a father passed away, the widows had to live off of the benevolence of the people in their community. And as you can imagine, when a drought comes and the crops fail and things are not producing, then there is no abundance and there is no overflow for the widow to live off of. This young widow's husband had passed away at an early age, and she is trying to raise her son on her own. And now with the drought and the famine in the land, what was a difficult situation has become a hopelessly impossible situation for her On top of that, God, the God that she had been putting her faith in, is about to put her to the test. I want you to notice something that's easily looked over in verse 9. It's the last statement of verse 9. God speaks to Elijah, but he says to Elijah, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. You have to understand what is being inferred there. It is that as this woman has been praying to God for help, and no doubt she was praying to God for help, the answer she gets from God is no doubt not what she expected. As you know, her food supply is about to come to an end. She's looking at that and looking at the days and understanding that this is going to run out very soon. She is praying to God for provision. God answers her prayer, but instead of telling her that he's going to send her more food, he tells her he's going to send her another mouth to feed. I have commanded this widow woman to sustain thee. This woman has received a word from God that God is going to send somebody there that she is supposed to feed. Sometimes God's like that. He doesn't answer the prayer the way we want it to be answered. Instead, he does it in a way that stretches us but also grows us in our faith. Knowing what God wants you to do and doing it are two entirely different things, is it not? Just because she knew what God wanted her to do doesn't mean that it was easy for her to do or that it was something that she wanted to do. Obeying God is a tough choice that requires faith. And I'm telling you, it is her faith in God that made the difference. Keep in mind that this is the choice that this mother faces when Elijah makes an unthinkable request based on an impossible promise. He shows up and he asks her for a cup of water. Well, that's doable even in a drought. She is willing to do that. But then he takes it a step further and says, please make me some bread. And she can't help herself. I I don't have it. I don't have it. All I've got is a little bit of meal in a barrel and a little bit of oil in a cruise. I mean, I literally have enough to make one last little meal for me and my son. And then I guess we're going to die because we have no more food, no animals, nothing to sustain us. And that man of God presses it a little further. He reduces the request to a little cake, a little piece of bread. But he makes it contingent upon this, make it for me first, then for you and the Son. Is this selfishness on the part of the prophet? No, this is the sovereign plan of God to uh, show this woman that this act of faith is what will get her family through when all the resources are gone. Two important lessons are to be learned here for every mother from this widowed woman with an adolescent son. Number one, fear is the enemy of faith. The very first thing that he says to her when she makes her objection, I don't have the food, I can't do this. His words are this, fear not, fear not. Not. You and I have to understand that fear is the natural enemy of faith, and if you and I are operating in fear, we are not operating in faith. And nearly everything in life that comes at us is meant to cause us to be afraid. Because that is the nature of sin, and that is the strategy of Satan, and he wants you to be afraid. Her fear said, I can't do that because we don't have enough. If I do that for you, we don't even get our last meal. And we've been rationing it for so long, we're barely surviving anyway. My fear tells me to say no, but faith tells her to say yes. It's no accident that God said to us in the New Testament, for God has not given us the spirit of fear but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And I am telling you today, folks, that you can find a reason to be afraid about any day in life, but you and I need to realize that fear is the enemy of faith and that we need to learn to trust God even in the most fearful situations. Fear has been weaponized by the devil to obstruct our faith. If he can get you to be afraid... He will get you to stop exercising faith. Think about the New Testament church when it is birthed into existence and those apostles are going out and preaching the gospel and the very first thing that they encounter is the people who killed Jesus bring them in and threaten them and try to uh, make them fearful so that they won't continue in the faith. You and I have to realize that fear is the enemy of faith Satan uses fear to undermine your faith. You and I need to recognize that because fear comes on us. And we react to it and we don't even think about it. And sometimes we don't even pause and pray and ask God to help us not operate in it. We are just reacting to the fear that has come. We need to recognize that every time you get that fearful hesitation when God is leading you to do something, you need to recognize that that is a weapon from Satan and you need to resist it. You see, this would be an entirely different story if this woman would have operated in fear instead of in faith. And I have no doubt that me and my brother's lives would be entirely different if my mom would have operated in fear and instead of in faith. Believers should not make decisions based on faith because you will make the wrong decision if you make it based upon fear instead of faith. We can learn from this mother this morning that we need to have faith in God and we need to trust God even when our instincts tell us to be afraid. Another lesson that we learn from this widow woman is that faith puts God's things first. Again I point out that little contingency that little contingency that that Elijah made in verse thirteen. Elijah said unto her, Fear not, go and do as thou hast said, but make me thereof a little cake first. You may want to circle that. You see, this would not have worked if she made that second. That's not faith. That is putting self first and saying, I'm going to take care of me and mine. And then if there's anything left over, I'll give it to God. No, the requirement was put God's things first. And it takes faith to accomplish this. No doubt this mother's instinct was to put her child first out of a desire to do what was best for him. But faith knew. That putting the things of God first would truly be what was best for her son. Can you just explore this with me for just a moment? Think about this for a moment. If she she puts her son first, all of a sudden she's sending the message that you are the most important thing in the world. Now stick with me a minute. I know how parents feel, but that's the message she's sending. And she's setting him up for failure and a hard life if he believes that he's the most important thing in the world and that everything in the world is supposed to revolve around him and that he's supposed to come first in everything. That would actually become a hindrance to his faith in God. But by the fact that this woman says, son, we're going to put this request of God first. She's teaching her son an important lesson. Son, God is the center of this world. God is the one who comes first in all things. And if you will put God first in your life, then you'll be able to handle whatever comes your way. I'm telling you, there was no more powerful lesson that this woman could have taught her son. And there was no better way to teach it to him than being an example of it. Put the things of God first. Is that not what Jesus said in his inaugural sermon on the mount? But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And then all of these things, food, lodging, clothes, will be added unto you because your Heavenly Father already knows that you need those things. He he wants you to prioritize correctly. Colossians 1.18, that in all things He might have the preeminence. And I'm telling you, it's easy to give me preeminence at 11 o'clock on a Sunday morning when you're dressed nice, feeling nice, and you're in a nice air-conditioned room. But when you get back into the real world and the fear comes and the adversity comes and the hardship comes, the, the tendency is to not keep putting God first but start seeking our own need and welfare. But from our vantage point, we can see that this mother's act of faith saved her and her son's life through the famine, but she had to operate on faith. She didn't know. All she had was a promise from a prophet she had never seen before who said, look, if you do this, you will not run out of meal. Well, that's never happened before. That's unprecedented. It always runs out. It always has to be replenished. And so she is operating in faith, and she is choosing to put the things of God first at the most critical time in her life, it is important to notice that being a woman of faith does not magically make life all better. You see, this story does not go like a fairy tale or a fantasy. And they lived happily ever after. It doesn't end that way. For the mother in this passage, one thing got better and another got worse. What got better? Well, there was an endless supply of food. Every day she goes to the barrel, there's the same amount of meal. And every day she pours the oil out of the vessel, there's the same amount. And it's enough to feed her, her son, Elijah. And this goes on and on and on for many days, maybe even a year. But one day, she's no longer worried about the food because her son gets sick. And instead of getting better, he gets worse. He gets sicker and this mother's greatest fear becomes a reality when her child stops breathing and he dies. As any heartbroken mother would, she blamed herself and she questioned God. She asked him, Was it the sins of my past or was it the cruelty of God that caused this tragic loss? Or, Are you come here to remember my past sins and to judge me for that? Strange things go through your mind when you lose a loved one, especially a child. But you want to see something amazing? Her questions are not even entertained with a response because they're not valid. Elijah doesn't even bother to say, No, it's not your sins. It's not the cruelty of God. That's not even entertained. It's like she didn't even ask the question. Don't even let that enter into your mind. That is not what's happening here. And I'm telling you, once again, her faith makes all the difference. Elijah says in verse 19 Give me thy son. And it says that he took that son out of her bosom. Think about it. This mother relinquished her child to God when when all she wanted to do was hold him with all of her might. She just wanted to cling to his lifeless body in hopes that he would begin breathing once again. And by faith, she has to hand him over. But as a result of her faith, God sent a revival to her son. Did you notice that word? It's so interesting, the selection of words that God uses in Scripture. None of them are an accident. We believe in the verbal plenary inspiration of God. That means that we believe that God inspired every word. And in this text, it says that when Elijah prayed over this child and that he came to life again, it says in verse 22, and the Lord heard the voice of Elijah And the soul of the child came into him again, and he revived. And we know that that word means to come back to life again. But think about the role of faith. This mother's faith was was played in this scenario. If she had not been a woman of faith who believed in God, obeyed his word, and by faith shared her food and her home with the prophet of God, then Elijah would not have been there to revive her son when he got sick and died. Right, This sickness was coming to this son regardless of whether or not Elijah was there. This was going to happen regardless of whether or not Elijah was in the home. But because of her faith, and her opening her home and her food to Elijah at the request of God. He is there when this tragedy strikes, and he is used of God to bring revival to her son. I believe that she is one of the women that is referred to in Hebrews 11.35 when it says women received their dead raised to life again. That's the hall of faith. That's a mark of her faith. What a woman of faith and what a difference her faith made in the life of her child. Very few women have been called in history to repeat a scenario like this. But what God does with this record is that he establishes some principles and he gives us some patterns that can be applied to lives spiritually. As you think about that in your own life today, it may not be a choice between feeding your child or feeding a prophet, but there are some things in your life that's going to cause fear, and you've got a clear decision to make. Am I going to decide to operate in fear Or am I going to resist that and operate in faith? There's going to be times in your life when you are met with the hard decision of, do I put the things of God first or do I put other things first? And everything in you is going to tell you it it doesn't make sense to put God first. And yet when you do... God shows up in a miraculous way. Your faith is going to be tested because even when you do step over the fear and you put the things of God first, your life's not going to magically get better. But there will be tests of faith that come along the way. There's still going to be heartaches and there's going to be trials that come. And at every turn, you're going to have a decision to make. Do I operate in faith or do I not operate in faith? Again, as I thought about my mom this Mother's Day, I, I think back over her life and I realize she was a woman of faith who exercised faith all the way to the end of her life. Even when she knew that the disease was terminal and the time was short, she expressed faith in God, she trusted Him. Never once did she question why did God do this to me? Why did God allow this to me? My mom kept putting God first at every turn. As a kid, I didn't understand it. As a kid, I resented it. As a kid, I, 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 I would question it. Mom, God's not taking care of us. God will provide. Doesn't look like He's doing a very good job. Looks like the state of West Virginia is the one that's sending the food stamps, not God. And yet my mom's faith was unshakable and she kept living that out. I am telling you, it made the impact on this son's life. That it revived me from my dead spiritual existence. And it helped bring me to faith in Christ. And so I just want to speak a word to mothers this morning. I want to encourage you, be a woman of faith. There may be days when you feel like you're underappreciated. There may be days when you feel like you're not making a very big impact. There may be days when you feel like you are ill-equipped for what God has called you to do in being a mother or a wife or a single mom. I just want you to know that the faith that you have in God is what will sustain you and see you through. And as we look at this widow In our text today, we find that she comes to this conclusion. The woman said to Elijah, now by this I know. By this I know. By this test of faith, by this journey, by this fear, by this fatal illness, by these things that have hit my life as I have kept trusting God. God has made himself real to me and I know that his word is truth. I'm telling you today that your faith in God will be rewarded with knowledge from God. Knowledge of the intimate, knowledge of His faithfulness, knowledge of His sovereignty, knowledge of His power in your life. It is what will get you through the most difficult days of your life. Would you bow with me this morning?